Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. We're back with another live episode. We're going international and today we are discussing tournaments, how to run them, what's the best format and everything. So, as always, we're joined by Jimmy from Sweden. How are we doing there today? It's uh, cooling down a bit. It's Right now it's 27 degrees, but yeah, we're, we're doing fine. I love, I love how we go to like other countries today. It's cooling down. It's only 27 degrees. I don't even think we reached 27 degrees all day today. Uh, ben from Germany, how are we doing over there? Yeah, we're all fine. Um, sorry, I couldn't make the last two calls, but I'm happy to be back. Um, yeah. And we've dragged in Martin from IFAF as well. Martin, how are we doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, busy, busy, busy. Still not allowed to tell you what you want to know. There we go. That's... I'll get that out there early. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll try and do it. Well, like, we'll ask little questions and see what we can see if we can weed like any sort of answers. I'm, I'm just waiting on the IFF new IFF website to go live, and it's going to be the first major piece of info. Will be the World Championships. So, I've got so much to share. I mean, now now is a perfect time if you want to share it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least he's sharing already that information. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. We'll slowly yeah. work our way through. <laughs> so, one of the questions that was asked in the in the in the group chat that we we've, we've had recently is, what's the ideal tournament and how to run it all? Uh, not not just from a, a game day uh, sort of point of view, but what's the best format? So uh, we'll go. We'll go for. Uh, imagine you're you're uh, doing a club level one, and what would be your ideal format to run across? We'll say we'll say like a one day tournament first. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, what's your point of view like uh, opinion on that sort of side? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the ideal number of teams would be. Somewhere between four and eight, depending on if you want everyone to play each other. Uh, I kind of like the format with the running clock on every field to get as many games in as possible. Uh, but it's it's difficult to say. It's kind of what, what you want the tournament to um, develop into. Uh, what you want it to. What's the uh, meaning of the tournament? But I think four. Four or six teams, if you're going to have a one-day event, uh, is probably what I would want. So everyone gets to play all the other teams. But that's the way we've had our game days set up for Swedish uh, National League. Uh, between three and five teams uh, play two or three games in one day. I mean, Ben, I, I know we just mentioned three to five teams. I mean, I'm sure when you look at some of the big ball tournaments, if you only had three to five teams to look after, it would be absolutely brilliant for some of the ones. Yeah. I mean, how, how many did we have at the last tournament? 63. See, even I mean, like, I can see Martin on the side just kind of looking at it again. That's not something that you ever want to do. <laughs> I got, I'm looking at 40 plus for the World Championships and it's, it's um, 
scheduling is a bitch and because you have different categories though don't you for big bowl and that so i should think that's an absolute pain in the ass the scheduling level i mean we have like we we used to have men's or mixed women and youth but i think we stopped the youth program six seven years ago because it was just not working anymore like the, the the demand on the mixed teams for example was so high that we wanted like I mean, we calculated there are so many options how you can do it, but we wanted to have, I mean, that, that was the goal of big ball in the first place always, to give smaller teams, or we originally, when we started it, we wanted to play international and we wanted to play teams from all over the world. That was our goal. And that's what we tried to still uphold. Um, and we thought it's, it's a very simple tournament tree, or that's how we call it in German. Um, if you have eight groups, each six, you have guaranteed five games per group, which is all happening on the Saturday, um, which is quite fortunate that we have as well six fields, otherwise it wouldn't work. And it's literally like 63 is literally the maximum we can do. Like there's no no gap in between. And yeah, I, I don't know if I would say that's my favorite type of tournament. Um, I like the fact that, as Jimmy said, you have a central clock, and I must say it works really well in the big ball, but um, probably because loads of the teams who have participated have done it quite some time or quite often now. You always have some new teams, obviously, but they just slide in very well because everyone helps each other out, which I kind of like as well. And most of the times we are even a little bit ahead of schedule, which is sick. I mean, obviously, you have some games where there's an injury delay, but then we just let this, like, we have a special clock for one game then, which will run a little bit over, and then we're closing the gap again. So, yeah, um, I personally am not the biggest fan of these kind of tournaments. I, I prefer, for example, the format we have on the European Championship or at Champions Bowl, for example. Um, I would actually as I just uh, mentioned, Champions Bowl, um, have, um, would like to bring up a topic for the next podcast. Um, as you might know, I am in the committee for the Champions Bowl, and uh, we had now basically fixed all the teams participating this year in October. Uh, 16 men and 12 women teams, as far as I know it out of my head. And we actually were looking, or I, I had the idea to have a live draw of the groups in the first and 15 podcast. We would share it, um, obviously, everywhere. And that what was the plan we had. And I want to check your guys' opinion on that. What do you think? I, I am more than happy to bring that one in. I'm just thinking international exposure there. That's That's fine for me. Yeah, I mean... Like uh, I mean, I think uh, looking at the teams who have registered, there are quite some really good teams, I would say. So yeah, in my eyes, Champions Bowl, um, which is a three-day tournament now, um, basically comparable to European or Championship. Um, now, as Martin noticed, we have more more teams at the World Championship, but I mean, before it was basically around that sixteen men, twelve ladies, like. I would say like a good European Championship before. Yeah, I mean Panama. We had um, what was it 
12 women and 10 men's in Panama yeah. 20, 2018, uh, 2018, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's got, like 40 plus. Yeah. What I like. What I like about that is that, first of all, you have the international standard game time, two times 20 minutes, which you can't do. Like, it's a different game, like, obviously. Like, we, we do a big ball now uh, the last year. I mean, we haven't had big ball for three years now, nearly. But the last time we did, when we had all the referees coming in, we did, for example, um, a full start in the second half is a loss of down. And, like, it's it's a different game. Like, you just two times 12 minutes is basically a half in a normal game if you consider the two minute warning so it's completely different and if you screw up one drive you might be gone um so i i think more i don't know how do you say it in english um i don't find a word now but i think the standard one two times 20 minute clock control that's the international standard and that's more what i like Honest. Yeah, we, we look at timings. We look at I I allow fifty five minutes for a game uh, when I'm looking at building my timings. So two twenty minutes plus your half, and then the the final two minutes of each half can go from anything from two minutes to, to ten minutes. So I allow fifty five minutes as a a game slot. So I'm I'm always looking to try and start um, depending on how many officials I've got and balancing those crews it's either on the hour or every hour and 15 minutes to try and to make sure that my, my officials last the day. Um, mm -hmm. So you might, as a, as a, in a big bowl, you might play like five games or uh, over three days. Yeah. And then, or two or two days and then plus going into your playoffs and stuff and you're to get to your rankings and stuff, um, which is great. But when you've got crews of officials that are working and they could potentially be doing six to seven games a day and i want them giving the best they can each game so it's always trying to balance that that out i don't know i remember i don't know who it was one of the referees i think it was jed who posted how many games he ref the last big ball i mean we had 12 referees on six fields so it was always the whitehead was an official referee and the crew was basically supported from the teams but i think we start, I think we have 20 rounds of games. So basically, they at least have 10 games when the, when the other six had a break because six fields, 12 referees, there was always six on, six off. I think they did two in a row and then had a break, but they did 10 games each day. And like that was absolutely amazing, which 100% put the big ball even to another level because like having experts in what they're doing on the field just changes everything. Like, because that's the other correct, like, for example, if you compare as well the Champions Bowl, where you have or European Championship, all the teams and all the players, if you would say we wouldn't have referees and they would ref each other or each themselves, they should all know the rules because they're playing on a very high level. But on Big Bowl, you have teams who have their first or second tournament and they just don't have the knowledge. So it's fine if they see a flag guarding, but for example, they don't know the rules 100%. And then you have someone on the field who is 100% certain what they're doing. They're having a little chat. Easy. Um, and that, that's what definitely changed a big ball in a very good way, I think. I mean, obviously, uh, IFAF don't really have, well, with the World Championships and European Championships and things like that, you don't really have that bit where you're going to have teams refereeing 
each other in, in the way that Big Bowl would. I mean, I'm not too, I, I'm, I don't think that will go down, down too well with everything else. But when, when you've got new teams, and like, like you said, Ben, where you've got like, uh, it might be their first or second tournament, somehow, somehow they, you know, they, they've picked Big Bowl to be their first ever tournament. Is it something that you often see where you get like new teams refereeing and you're trying to help them out, but you're trying to play the game as well as you can whilst helping out? Out is that something that you've seen very often? And and how do you get around that sort of situation? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it happens quite often. Like we had now, we had even in the German league where two new teams, like they, some of them went on a referee. Like we have a. Um, which is new as well from this year. We had it once two or three years ago, like a seminar about referee, where I think this year over 150 people took part in, which is great. Um, but they, some of them just, they, they don't know it. Like, And the problem is you can't play and help them at the same time. You want to, um, but it's really hard. Like, And then, for example, on Big Bowl, what we had once where we got then taken the blame there was, I think, the Americans playing against the Danish All-Star team. And there was, because the guy who did the schedule had no idea who any of the teams were. So I looked at some day, because it was, I think, Saturday evening, I looked at the schedule and saw that basically a youth team who has played their first big bowl, their first big tournament, was scheduled to referee the Americans against the Danish All-Star team. I was like, <laughs> that's not working. Like, Yeah. And then we, we jumped in as the host, basically, and made a referee crew and got the blame afterwards why we have ref the game and the Americans went mental about it. And like, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing you have to have in mind when you are hosting a tournament like that. Like now, having learned from that, I'm always going through the schedule and see if I can beforehand move some referees. Like, obviously, they have to ref because firstly, they have to learn it. Secondly, um, but then it has to be a game where, I don't know, the level is not that high. And, um, yeah, not so much is at stake. I mean, Jimmy, do you, what's your, the, the, the refereeing side like in the Swedish league? Are you self-refereeing all your games yeah. and, and yeah, how, how, how do you find it? Um, I mean, I mean, just in our small league, we experienced the same thing where, you look at, okay, this is the number one C team against the number two C team, which means that another team has to ref them, and it could be a rookie team that does it. And that is a problem. And <laughs> sometimes it, it works out well. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. If you have a close call for something, it's always going to be somebody who's, uh, well, thinking that it should have been overturned or otherwise but if you have a good crew i mean those close calls is not going to be discussed it's just going to be okay this was it bam move on to the next play um i mean it, it's kind of like the good teams are like piranhas in the water they can smell blood uh if you have a new uh, a new referee oh they will eat him up and i don't and i don't think that the, i think that's a global uh, thing where I think a player that wants to win wants to win in every way and if that means turning on a referee yeah I know I'm going to be shooed up about that but uh, <laughs> I think I think that's uh, pretty much what happens when you have inexperienced referee crews 
uh, refereeing experienced teams. So, I mean, that, that's an issue. I mean, you could take Sportmunda for an example where you have the elite division and the leisure uh, division. And the elite division refs the leisure, leisure or and the other way around. So you're going to have that problem in Sportmunda. Do you have like one or two games every year that, uh, well, the refing schedule isn't isn't optimal. But I mean, if you if you can look at it and correct it, that's good. I think I think they moved a few teams around uh, the last time I was there because they realized that this is not going to work. So, yeah, ha having a good officials is probably one of the most important things when you're hosting a tournament. It was, it was something a few years back that in the UK League, there was a cry out for um, better understanding of officiating. And because it's primarily a self-officiated league, um, we started running uh, courses, um, sort of one-day courses where we'd go through stuff. Um, Jed's took that role on quite a lot over the last couple of years because originally it was myself and a guy called Tim Ockenden delivering them. Uh, and then Jed came on board and Jed's been the primary mover of that for the last couple of years. And it's more around developing the skills and knowledge of the guys that already play the game and have been for quite a while. Their, their rules knowledge is, is good. What they lack is the understanding of the mechanics of officiating because having rules knowledge is one thing but if you're stood in the wrong spot how can you apply the rule because you, you're out of position you, know, you don't know you can't see what's actually going on so it's the understanding of the mechanics of officiating which is where self-officiated teams tend to struggle because i watch games and i see self-officiating and and the guy's not moving he, he stood 30 40 yards away from play watching and he calls a touchdown from like the other end, end zone it's like how do you know that was a touchdown or not you have no idea if you're not on that goal line. So it's, it's more around it, um, giving them the skills to be able to mechanically officiate, I think. And I think the more we can do on that, because everyone can get in the rule book and understand the rules. But if you understand the mechanics of like um, deep wing, your first movement is always towards the, 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 the next goal, the next line, either if, if it's midfield or it's goal goal line you should always that's your first movement you shouldn't be static field judge the same your first movement is to the next line to gain that's where you're moving to headline and referee are the only ones that pretty much stay still because they've got their areas of responsibility and it's that understanding of being in the best position um to be able to officiate at that higher level i think there are a lot of good players that really know the rules really really well i think what just lets them down is the mechanics of how to be a good official and how to react and move um, with the play. Uh, and the danger is, as in a lot of it, you, you end up ball watching a lot because, you know, but the one thing that on the field that's never going to commit a foul is the ball. So while you're looking at it, it's, you know, that's, that's not your responsibility. But I, I've seen some really good uh, team officials over the years, uh, especially in the UK leagues. They've been really, really good. Um, and it's just giving them that extra string to their bow to be able to take on, go on that next step, that next level on officiating. I mean, you mentioned some of the courses that Jed has run. Obviously, he ran a lot of the, the UK ones. Yeah. I, knew, I knew it was in here somewhere. Um, he actually ran a, is it a four-part refereeing um, clinic with the, with the frogs that was sent out? Um, that was on yeah. the Google thing. I, I don't know whether it's available 
to like download as well as and get everything else from it. But yeah, yeah I, I sort of go Teflon shoulder when stuff comes into me. I say, yeah, here's Jed's team now. <laughs> Talk to Jed. He's the guy you really want delivering this now. Um, it's I worked with Jed a lot over the years and sort of um, I'll, I'll blow me on audio, help develop him into that next higher level, which I think makes him probably one of the best officials in the world. Um, and there are there are there are a few others out there that will match him but his understanding and knowledge of the game how it runs and how it works as well as the the rules and the mechanics of officiating and his ability to bring on other officials just just sets him that level apart i think so uh let's go let's try and get back to the actual tournament so you know yep. we, we've discussed the refereeing side of it martin obviously you've got the the bigger one with the the international side would you from from your point of view you're, you're on what 22 teams now or 20 22 to 22 countries 20, or over 20 federations 20 countries um and there's a mixture of both sending male and female or just female or just male teams so we're 40 plus teams from 22 plus federations um i've got to check me me figures and stuff but uh yeah so I think the big difference between us and Big Bowl is you've got the scheduling of games that needs to happen, which is always a joy. Uh, and ours is based on, rather than a draw, ours is based on rankings. Um, so you look at previous rankings from that same event and then you're adding the continental level events to then do your lower level rankings to get your groups. Um, so what it means is you tend to have a... a good team in each group, a really top level team, then the next best team in each group. And so, and then you get your, your lower level new, new teams coming in. So that bit is, is pretty much I would have to a level the same. The biggest difference I think between an IFF event and something like Big Bowl is all the administration and legislation we have to then follow because we are looking to be included in Olympics. There's a requirement on us to run the events like an olympic event so there's a whole raft of stuff that goes on in background that no one ever sees no one ever cares about i should think for big bowl ben teams do their own travel arrangements and they, they get to them from venues and they arrange their own food to a degree and stuff like that yeah that's yeah. gonna be taken yeah I mean, go on yeah um it's that it started like more that we help teams we set a little bit of a infrastructure with two or three hotels but what i just do now is just give them the hotel names and they do the rest themselves like we already we arranged airport shuttles in the beginning but everyone is just firstly has been there so often like some teams who obviously still help if they're coming completely new from the states or whatever but mostly they're taking taxis like it's completely different like i completely yeah. see your point i i i just looking at my uh checklist top line level things i've got 45 things i have to have organized um from a logistics and a, and a local organizing committee level you know things like hotels transport meeting rooms display equipment for meetings and uh team meetings then you've got the welfare element so medical cover um water dope anti-doping legislation and arranging for doping testing to be done and the list goes on and on and on and on and on before you even get to writing a schedule um it's just 
there's a lot of admin that goes into it. There's a lot of stuff we have to comply with. Um, um, doing the same thing for the World Games, there's a, there's a whole raft of stuff they have that we have to follow and fit within our how we put on an event. So we fit within their their organisational structure. But for, for IFAF, we're very much driving our events towards an Olympic style and quality event, which therefore means there's a hell of a lot of administration and logistics involved in it. So you take that away from the teams. They haven't got to worry about how am I going to get from hotel to venue back? How are my players getting fed? Where am I getting ice and water from? That's all done for them. Basically, we want them to turn up and play the best football they can play. Um, and everything else is taken into consideration for them. So I, I spend my day on one of these events. I wake up normally about five o'clock in the morning. I have my first get together with someone around about 6.30. Uh, and then I normally have my last get together around about 11 o'clock at night uh, before I hit the hay again. And I'm just busy all day dealing with whatever's come up and whatever issues is. Um, so it's, it's not a fun event for an organiser. There's a shitload that's got to be done. And I think it's probably the big difference between the two events. One is looser and more fun. Yeah. Whereas the other one is very structured and restrictive in what, how you can do things. You've got to follow the guidelines laid down by the IOC, by WADA, and then also local government committees and stuff that you've got to take into account. So all that has to be brought in, like Israel, all the teams have to supply all their information 30 days before flying to the government. So that comes into Yellow Sea and it has to go to the government for approval. You know, <laughs> there'd be visa applications and letters to be written to federations to allow teams to travel to the country that they're participating in. And we're involved in all of that aspect of it. I mean, so it, it's, it's like you said, it's two big, massive tournaments, but you've got the, the different side of each one. Uh, Jimmy, hearing what, what you've seen, what you've heard from these two so far, and obviously you, you know both tournaments, which tournament would you rather be running right now? Um, uh, rock and a hard place, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I would say I would rather be on Team Ben, uh, really, uh, because the more fun side equals the fact that people accept mistakes uh, a little easier and can, you know, just, eh, okay, that didn't go as planned. Let's move on. Let's have some fun. Uh, I, I've seen the other side uh, of Martin's side where uh, things don't go as planned and a lot of people don't like it i mean they because it's more serious it's more prestige i, I guess so yeah I'll, I'll, i'd rather go to germany than israel uh i guess i mean I've, it gets to the point where i have to hold disciplinary meetings uh with players and coaches and federation reps yep and just lay the law down sometimes and it, that 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 detracts from the fun of being at an event and being involved in that but it, it's just a requirement of this this is taking to like the euros soccer have just been on there are rules and regulations you have to meet and stick to and adhere to and it's then making sure they're followed i mean i'd love to be able to just say yeah here's a schedule go and knock yourself out and you know just 
sit back and relax a bit. Um, but that's not the case. It's I mean, the, a role I took on a few years the, back, and those, those I'll give it everything called, I've got. Yeah, those meetings are actually called a yes marketing meeting. Um, it, they they end up uh, yes marketing meeting. Yeah. And they start out with, <laughs> okay, tell me what your problem is, um, and then I'll then pull out the big thick folder which says, right, yeah. here's the rules and regulations, um, and here's the tournament regulations, yeah. and this is now what I'm going to tell you is going to happen. Um, and these are your options A, B, and C, um, and these are the consequences of each of those options. But you, it, it is sometimes it's two way. I mean, I, I had one incident in Miami, um, and it was I won't say the, the, the nation and that, but there were some comments made, um, an inference uh, around teams being given beneficial treatment over others and I took umbrage at that because um, it was aimed at my officials because I was supervisor of officials at the time and it's like no these guys as soon as they done the stripes they couldn't give a monkeys where you come from we don't think as an experienced official and I think probably you other guys as well you automatically don't even think your brain clicks in as soon as you see a foul that impacts on a plate you just throw it you, do, you don't even process the fact that you've dropped a flag on something there's only a few instances where you're going to take a couple of seconds to consider something. And then normally the big ones like the DPI and stuff like that. But a lot of the other stuff are instantaneous. I've got a foul bang. There's my flag. I haven't even thought about it, regardless of what uniform someone's wearing. Um, and it used to be the policy that officials weren't allowed to white cap their own federations. Because obviously we get people from each federation to officiate, you know. Um, and I changed that rule in... Um, Panama, whereas my choice was I want to select the best official to officiate the best games. So when you're looking at medal games, I want the best crews out there that are going to give me the best and give the teams the best opportunity to play and showcase their sport. Um, so, yeah, on, on the men's gold medal game, USA-Austria, the white cap, she was American and she got there on merit being consistently good throughout the tournament. And I think there was a Brazilian, Canadian, and another American were on the crew because uh, they, they all performed the best. And then I think Jed got women's gold medal game because he was the next best official. Um, so it, it's, I'm not happy when people diss my officials. If they've got a problem, they come to me and talk about it and I'll discuss it with them away from the game in a calm manner. Whereas I think, was you was you in Israel, Jimmy? Last, huh? In 2019? Yeah, that yeah. Yeah, was. There was there was some heated discussions on sidelines, and it's no load. Let's take this away because in the heat of a game, um, people want to get their point across, and they're not always the best at getting that point across when they're over aggressive. Nope. So, yeah, yeah, that I mean, was much fun. See, <laughs> so you, you don't want to swap jobs with Ben, or or do you want to swap jobs with Ben now and start organising this tournament? No. Because I, I I really love what I do. I really enjoy it. it it's um, I'm not fast enough to be an official on the field with these guys anymore. I can't keep up with them. My knees don't work properly anymore, nor does my back and neck. Um, but I understand the game from both the, how the game's played and the officiating level. And my organisational skills means I'm well suited as a tournament director for IFAF at this point in time. So that's what I do. I mean, previously I worked pretty much every international event as a referee. 
up till 20, 2016, when I sort of stepped away from the field in, at the end of 2016 World Championships at that international level. It's an understanding that I'm not that young anymore and I struggle to keep up with them. So I can't give my best on the field for the guys. So I need the best people on the field to do that. I mean, Ben, I, I know I know you've got a a meeting with your with your QB coach, which is yeah, I, I can I can have another 10, 15 minutes, so it's fine. I mean, like I said, it's a weird thing to hear from a from a flag football team. To I know when you're going international, you got the biggest you got the biggest stage, and you've got to bring out all the stops. So having a QB coach is is something unheard of in my mind, anyway. I don't, we, we talked about it quickly beforehand. Yeah. So obviously you've got like you said you can't go any bigger for teams with, with big bowl and how everyone obviously because of time and things like that. So what what's the the next bit that you're going to be adding or looking to add to to big bowl and the setup yeah. and things? I mean, I would just like because uh, Martin said when his day starts in an international tournament, like the problem is what I used to see. Um, that the problem is in our case, like it's like we don't have a local organizing or organizing committee, for example. Like in Israel, you have the Israeli committee who helps and stuff. People from the federation, I guess. Like problem is for me, it's kind of being the tournament director plus the local organization committee plus um everyone more or less like it starts as like sometimes you maybe don't think about that but it starts obviously as well like we're not involved so much in food discussions for or hotel discussions but for example like we had tournaments when israel arrived and they um got a special approval from um the how do you say it, the ambassador of israel in berlin they had Mossad there, so I needed to have a um, meeting with the local police and everything. Like, then what we have as well, like my day at Big Bowl starts around as well, I would say five o'clock, um, preparing breakfast for all the teams because we have, um, some of you know, like 200 people are sleeping in our big um, gym. Um, and they always want breakfast. So we are sorting the breakfast out, and, and I'm always the guy. And I'm not allowed from the club to give away my keys. So all the doors and everything needs to be opened. And that happens five o'clock in the morning and ends Saturday after, evening after the players' night, which mostly goes until two, three o'clock. So I, I said to myself, like what Martin said, I, with still playing on a higher level, I said, I can't do that anymore. I can't, I'm not 18 anymore and can sleep two hours night with stuff and then play on the next day uh, probably if, like i mean 2019 for example we made it to the final again and in this evening like sure we have loads of helpers but it's still like i managed to get five hours sleep i think that was the maximum i ever had at big ball between saturday and sunday and um yeah it's like everything you have the police is calling me in the evenings because the music is too loud they're showing up you have people locking themselves out of rooms and like it's a different kind of stress, but the stress is, I think, probably like for Martin, well more spread throughout the months, weeks before the tournament. And obviously as well on the tournament itself, but Big Bull is from that sense, 
a next level as well because without Lou helping me sometimes and telling me, yeah, you have to come with me now and she's dragging me home. Otherwise, I would never leave the field there. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, it's tough. So I, I know I asked you with this question about which one would you rather do. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, with, with the greatest respect of each of both of you for doing these jobs, I don't think I'd want either of them right now. I mean, it's, I mean, as, as a player, I mean, you sort of, you, you see it, you turn up and you go, oh, there's this tournament that's just appeared and all the fields are set up and everything's there and all oh, that's the schedule. This, you know, this would be fine. And then when, when they start talking to you guys, did you realize that, I mean, I, I think if we've spoken to before about with, with Ben and this one is that you, you finish Big Bowl one year and next year you're already sort of going, okay, what do we do now? Uh, it, as, you, as you're tidying up the, the the party from the Sunday night, you're sort of looking at like the next year's one going, how, how do I make it either bigger or how do I, any issues that came up, how do I resolve them? Yeah, I mean, actually, I wanted to answer your question. What what are we trying to do to improve it? I completely forgot to answer your question with all the talking. Um, I mean, exactly what you said. Like when it's so fresh and people give you feedback throughout the weekend and everything, and you're cleaning up and you're seeing stuff like what Martin said as well, water for all the teams. Like if you think about water for 63 teams, it's ridiculous. Like we always used to go to the supermarket next door. I mean, we have a deposit system in Germany, but still like we had over 1,200 bottles of water, like plastic bottles. And um as well, the influence from, from my wife, she's really on, I mean, I am the same, like we only have one planet and uh, we should consider that. And that's the plan to make Big Bowl, like we can't make it any bigger, but we want to make it as green as possible, like with water station, which we like no bottles, no single use plastic. Like we have already started, like we bought loads of plastic throughout the years, but we have already um, have what we would have done 2020 if corona didn't happen we had a like a i think i said it already in one of the podcasts earlier on but like a how do you say a dishwasher mobile so we would just give out real plates real cutlery and just wash them like no single use plastic yeah that's the basically the plan what we're trying to do better like one year it was the live draw because people thought we were moving the schedule around in our favor i mean to be honest i did a little bit because um, I mean, we always have to move the schedule because helping-wise, I mean, that's what I always said. For example, our men's team always played Saturday morning, bum, 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 five games in a row, and we were done. And we were helping the whole Saturday afternoon, grilling sausages and everything. Um, so then we did the live draw. Then we brought next year, we brought referees. Now we want to do more green, like... I don't know what comes next year. Like, if you have any ideas or any, hit me up and I will think about it even for next year already. And yeah, that's got, how Big Bowl grows, I would say. Yeah, I, did, uh, I got a conversation about to happen on five points. And this is, like you say, things looking at waste management, water management, carbon offsetting, plastics, the volunteering community engagement and the legacy. <laughs> it's like these are all the things you yeah. have to then start taking into consideration. Because these are the ideals being laid out for us by people like the AOC and the World Games, and that, and, and we've got to try and fit within their framework. It's how how can you add that next big bit that makes the sport better and more um, aware of what the rest of the world what they expect from a, a sporting event. 
because uh, we're constantly changing, evolving. We have to, and I can imagine because I, I, I think something like um, three thousand bottles of water were dropped off day one in Israel, um, and then it was continuously topped up going through because I think I think we hit thirty five degrees at one point. Um, it was hot down there, but then it's like all that plastic and single-use plastic is such a big thing now. How do you take that into account? How can you manage that and, and factor for that in an event? And it's like when people talk about sports events like this, big bowl, world championships, whatever, you've got to take these into account because you're, you're now being held responsible for it. You've got to, you've got to be aware and minimise that impact your sport's having on the local environment. Yeah. I mean, I, I already feel bad having deposit bottles, which are going back and being reused and recycled and everything. But like, if you think of single-use plastic, like we had an offer already for this big bottle. I mean, we are quite fortunate. I don't know how the drinking water situation is out of the tub in Israel, but we had for the big bowl like a company um, who supported basically water stations. So the plan was to say to the teams, look, we have two water stations where we can easily put five thousand liters a day through the machine more or less um and people just bring their own reusable bottles or we would maybe say okay you can buy them for a euro each but they're reusable or that was the plan but yeah we will do that next year and um, yeah 100 percent with you like you have to consider these things now and uh, i think it's really important that we do as so. well I mean, it's quite good to hear that. Obviously, obviously, you're looking at the football side, and you know, going let's keep it as as big as it is. Then to start adding in like the environmental factors as well, which again is something that, as as a more of a of a player and a than an organizer of tournaments, I've ne I've never even really thought about that that side of things. So obviously, it's great that you're you're always looking towards extra bits even even like the smaller bits that you can do to help out um i'm not too sure if there's any other questions regarding this one i mean jimmy have you got anything else for this uh the tournament debate and trying to get a job with martin or ben oh, no. <laughs> you want you can have an internship or something next big ball i can give you some more insights and um <laughs> Uh, be careful what you're saying here because I, I might actually pick you up on that. I, I have to find some happy to, to do that. I, I have to find some way to spend my uh, vacation day, so why not? Yeah, you're happy I'll, to come. I mean, everyone's yeah. happy to come to people always. We can uh, we can discuss that further in a, in, a, in another uh, forum. So. See, there we go. So. Not only have you brought us the uh, the possible live draw of the of the the, um, the champs bowl, you've also got giving out jobs and everything. Yeah. Martin, you after a job as well? I'm sure I'm sure Ben will take on a, a extra help. <laughs> I think he has he has enough to do already as it is. I, yeah, I, I think um, I'm already looking at 2023 continental championships. I've got 2022 um, world games to consider as finalised. I've got a meeting um, on. Monday with Israel for the World Championships. Uh, on the following Wednesday, I've got the Alabama Organising Committee meeting to talk about volunteers and training for volunteers for being working on the events. Um, uh, and then oh, it's just, yeah, 
lots and lots of meetings. And then November, some, I have to fly out to Alabama. So this is my benefit uh, for meeting. Sorry. Um, what, what is the situation with uh, content? You, you were talking about Continental Championships 2023. So what, what is the schedule the next we, years? Like 2021 is World Games and no Continental European Championship and anything like that? Or? I think the email that went out was oh, for, forbidding on 2023. I think they were looking because of the World Championships this year and the World Games next year because of coming out yeah. of pandemic, that federations are not exactly full of cash. I think mm. we were trying to look at if we sort of moved it on a year um, for the next Continental Championships. I mean, there, there's still time to feedback to uh, be reviewed uh, from federations, but mm -hmm. it's a lot of cost packed together mm -hmm. for, for countries. Uh, and we're very aware that countries don't have that sort of money sitting in their coffers um if we if we get olympic recognition the next stage then that opens funding mm -hmm. streams for federations um from their olympic committees which would be great but at, at this point in time i think the plan is to look at 2023 as the next continental championships mm -hmm. um and then it, uh, probably 2024 for the next worlds um mm -hmm. because of the last 18 months of pain uh, and the impact that's had on not just on the sport in playing it but also the management of sports um it, it i think it's a sensible move to try and give us a breather um because if, if yeah. germany make it through into the top eight you're off to alabama next year that's, that's a big expense yeah i know yeah 100 yeah. yeah i mean I, we, we, uh, completely for, like i saw the post and stuff bidding for the continental championship like I didn't even notice that it said 2023. Like, I mean, I think the last 18 months just screwed up years and months and days yeah. and everything. Like, you're just, but 100% with you on that. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, it, it's what we don't want to do is, is just uh, put on the championship and then no one turns up because no one can afford to take a team to it. Um, we, yeah. we committed to this year because we need to do it in, pre in preparation for 2022. Um, we have to have a qualifying championship for the World Games. Um, plus, I think it, it it's right as well if we're looking at our further target down the road of Olympic inclusion. Um, if we're still looking for a 2028 inclusion in um, California, I think it's in Los Angeles, I believe, 2028. Yeah. So we, we have a timescale we've got to try and fit in. So if you think 2023, continental, 2024, worlds then the olympics would fit into that cycle for 2028 mm -hmm. yeah true yeah so it's, it's thinking longer term for the sport and and trying to put us in a position to really make a big impact on the world stage without killing off the federations with, with excessive costs very sensible packed together i mean even if you think about now like world championship in this in December, which is the latest it ever has been, plus World Games already in June, like the earliest tournament in a year. Like even the time, the time between those two is like as it's short as never yeah. been before. Like, yeah, because as soon as we have the final standings from twenty uh, this year, um, those federations are going to need to commit to travel to Birmingham, so that that's going to be costs incurred fairly quickly. Yeah, um, and. Yeah. You know, so it's 
it, 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 it was part of our consideration when we were looking at staging events and it's a thing we have to take into account. Everyone wants to play, but it, it's being realistic from a financial standpoint. So there we go. We've got the uh, the tournament starting. We've got the schedule for the next couple of years. We have to start working overtime to try and get enough for the uh, for the airfare costs and everything else. That's, I'm, not, I'm not too sure if I can afford all these trips right now. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, as I say, I got. I got to fly to Alabama for a meeting, on-site meeting, to tour the venue and go through everything with them, uh, sit down with their media people for streaming and all the television stuff that's got to be done. And then um, I land and fly straight off to Israel for World Championships. Same day turnaround when I return from America. I mean, you, you say that you know, you've got to fly over there for Alabama, it's like the meeting and things like that. It's not the the worst job in the world to, to obviously it's not your your full time job to travel around the world and talk flag no, football. Not. I wish it was, <laughs> but you know if if you do need more streaming sites and things like that, I'm sure I, I can lend you a, I say a camera. I've only I've only got my um, one camera and things like that. But yeah, you know, if you if you want to fly me over, I can help out in that way. <laughs> I, I can be your assistant. Hang on, let's just make a note of that. All right, just make a note of that. I mean, I mean, Jimmy's already got uh, an internship with Ben. I'll take an internship with you. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Alabama and see how it goes. <laughs> it's all paid for, right? I, I get it all no, paid for. I can pay back on expenses. Yeah, the, 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 the best thing is because the World Games are based in uh, Geneva, the World Games organization, because uh, obviously where the IOC is based. Um, so a lot of my conversations are with, with, with Geneva at the moment and stuff. And uh, I've got a meeting to look at timing systems for it uh, and all sorts it's like where, where was the fun in this game again tell me about that where, where was it fun i think i think it stopped being massively fun when you hit like the, the the adult age groups and you've got to start paying for it all yourself yeah it's always good with bank and mum and dad covering everything and then suddenly i've got to pay what how much I've got to, I've got to pay to play registration. I don't understand this. I never have to pay this as a junior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mum and Dad always paid that. But when you but get your first that... car insurance, you actually have to pay for your own car insurance for the first time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I crying. Yeah. But there, there we go. That's tournaments discussed. Hopefully, we'll be. Uh, I'll be. I'll be chatting to Ben throughout the week about the uh, the live draw for the champs bond. Looking forward to that one now. Uh, Jimmy, you'll that be you'll really be good. Jimmy, you'll be chatting to Ben about your new job, and yeah, there we yeah. go. And then mine, mine, you'll be chatting to the rest of the world about flag football and what, what's going on in which year. But guys, th thank you for joining us. Uh, that's another episode done, and obviously we'll, we'll be counting down till Israel uh, soon. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customised sportswear supplies.